That's how we start Settle the podcast. Settle down. It's a me, Grant Paddy. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It's a me and my wife, Ashlyn Anstey. Yahoo! Wow. I could be the new voice of Mario, don't you think? Yeah. I think I got it, man. Look, I, I mean, listen, all respect to Charles. I know. All respect to Charles Martinet the voice of Mario, but uh, anyone could do the voice now, Nintendo. Come on, save some money, hire me. Yeah. Well, I could do it. You know, I, we were, I, speaking of Goss, that's what happened to the SpongeBob cast when they did the new SpongeBob thing. They, they replaced them all. Whoa. That's that's dirty and rotten. That shouldn't happen. Too expensive. That shouldn't happen. Never mind. What am I doing trying to undercut a nice man? I'm sorry, Charles. Keep your job. You, you've earned it. You've you've done all the yahoos that that uh, that have become emblematic of our childhood. Welcome to the show. This is Grashlin Party. This is a podcast where a husband and wife team, uh, Ashlyn and me, uh, well, we just hang out and we record our kind of conversation once a day with a friend because we're recording it in the time of social distancing during the times of COVID. At least that's how it's starting. Maybe we'll keep doing it after the times of COVID, or maybe not. Maybe we'll be so socially well-adjusted after that uh, we'll just say, God, remember when we used to do a podcast? Or maybe we'll do it for 10 years, and we'll be like, God, can you remember when we started and and we were all wearing masks the whole time? Yeah, I record wearing a mask, even though I don't need to, even though we're sitting in separate rooms and we're all doing this virtually, I'm wearing a mask. Just kidding, not really. Um the song is provided by the band Talk Time. Our friend Mike Nissen lended us the song called Year of Self from the EP of the same name. We record in Los Angeles. Today it's Tuesday. It's a nice uh, breezy evening. Recording in the cat garage, watching the ferals run about. That kind of sets the scene for you, dear listener. Uh, Ashlyn, what are Your you doing? Viewer. There's no viewers. For God's <laughs> sakes. It's audio only, baby. Um, I am sitting on the couch in another room. Um, and it's, you know, it's nice to be under a blanket while the wind bustles outside, I'll say. Sitting on the couch in another room while the wind bustles outside. Yeah, it's also karaoke pod. Yeah, it's karaoke pod. That's how we do things here. That's how we do things here. You know, at least a tree didn't blow down like the last time it was windy. Remember when that happened? At least a tree didn't blow down like last time. Okay. Do you remember when that happened? I'm going to get discovered on this podcast. They're going to say, Grant, you have a, a talking voice that sounds like a cartoon duck. Duck? A cartoon duck in a car accident but your singing voice is angelic that's we're, we're our listeners hopefully are all in the a and r space at uh, i don't know warner records or something they're gonna yeah. they're gonna discover my fine falsetto my fine falsetto anywho um <laughs> anywho anywho uh, why don't we introduce our guest who's just been waiting there having to choke down your voice your singing voice with his ear holes what you don't want to talk to me you don't want to just uh (laughs) you don't want to continue on conversing with me you're like okay we gotta hurry up and bring somebody else into it i mean it's barely been any time at all i guess it's been enough time but it's i mean we've been here for three years 
Our what are you talking about? We've been born. here for three years. What are you talking about? Our child about? was born and is in preschool now. Oh my god. People will believe you. I'll believe you. I, I have such bad time dysmorphia that I'll be like, really? When did that happen? <laughs> that would be so sad if that was like... So I'm reading this book right now where the main one of the main characters has like face blindness. And man, is it ever sad? Because you can't even remember his own mom's face. Do you remember when you used to... That was one of... You, you like to often ascribe various illnesses to yourself that that you don't have have. i believe that i have mild face blindness i think you're just inconsiderate oh my god that's (laughs) (laughs) i think you're i think you just i think you just like don't really take stock of people and uh then you like have to meet them again and be like wait have we met and then they're like yeah we've met five times at like you do it to me all the time you're like who are you like ashlyn we got married we've been we've been here we've been doing it our child is in preschool now. Anyway. All right, fine. Now now you've horrified me enough to where I we can't keep uh, bearing the lead on the, the podcast. Uh, my good friend Tommy Bechtold is with us here today. Tommy, you have interacted with, I think, a few times, but not a ton, uh, at the uh, Bill's Backers bars uh, on the times that you've come to the Boz. I think, though, uh, that Tommy, for whatever reason has not been to our house. Like, I don't think he came over for any of the Super Bowl viewing parties that we hosted. I think he had other things going on. He's a, he's a mover and a shaker, a man about town. He's an actor. He's been, he's uh he had a recurring role on ABC's the middle. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's in other stuff. Also, he's a working actor. He's on Jimmy Kimmel live. Uh, I think pretty frequently also is one of their go-to um, sketch actors for the, you know, they do bits you know that you know how they'll do comedy skits and bits. Well, Tommy's there. Yep, that's cool. So anyway, without further ado, it is Tommy Beckel, ladies and gentlemen. Tommy Beckel. Well, thank you, thank you for that intro. That was uh, perfect. Really nice. Was it? Really concise. Really summed up my credits. Uh, I haven't been to your house because I'm a selfish prick. Uh, and I, uh, I should have been to your house and now we can't. And this is one of those things where I thought there'd be more time. I always thought I'd get to your house and then the world collapsed. And this is one of the many regrets that I cycle through in my, my, uh, Dewey decimal catalog style regret library. Uh, (laughs) I really like that. Yeah. I love, I love a regret regret journal. Like oh, you yeah. just write all your regrets in it's it. Just, that's just my journal, Ashlyn. It's all regrets. <laughs> there are no, there are no victories. Only regrets. Only regrets. Well, it's, I'm glad we got to spend some time with you here on the pod. I actually, Tommy has been screwed by this pod was like multiple times. Multiple <laughs> times. He's he's he he was on the first ever canceled episode mm-hmm. uh, where. And it wasn't as a result of the parties involved not wanting the episode to go out. It was a result of um, technical difficulties, which I've sort of alluded to in previous episodes, where just like an audio file got corrupted. And then it was just like, well, that was a great hour of content that no one will ever hear. Mm. And then then Tommy and I talked last week. We were starting to record a, uh, a Bill's pod Still unnamed, but uh, us and our friend Mark McCune are going to just kind of start talking bills once a week. Yes. So look out for that, dear listener. Cannot wait. And, 
but but Tommy's been screwed more so because when I first uh like announced doing the pod, Tommy I reached out to is one of the first handful of people like, oh dude, like it's always so fun talking to you. You should come do this. And then just it didn't happen until now. But so, you know what? I am a person that is very self-conscious and frequently thinks that people don't like me, just assumes most people don't like me. And in a way, this is the greatest gift you could give me because for months I've festered wondering <laughs> what is Grant's deal with me? What did I do? What did I say? Is this uh, accumulation of actions? Is this a knee-jerk reaction to me? How can I make it better? Is it better to just be in this limbo? If I reach out, Am I creating a problem that doesn't exist? So you've given me months, if not weeks, <laughs> worth of uh, self-loathing and dread. And that is my fuel, baby. That's how this Millennium Falcon gets from planet to planet. So don't you worry. Oh, no. Well, this is also – this is great. I mean, I've always wanted to have a podcast start out with, like, the, the Marin style of, like, there's uh, some friction of, like, well, are we good or what the fuck, man? Like, what's been going on? Yes. <laughs> what, what, why you've been dicking me around on this? It's been it's been accidental on on my end. I've definitely meant to have you on a lot sooner. Yeah. I mean, I, I meant to have you on when the when the now now it well, after after saying fuck now I'm like conscious of it. Mm. Uh, I I, met, I wanted to have you on when the bills were still part of it, so we could be talking bills yeah. stuff. And then yeah. Oh yeah. Now I'm even forgetting that we had we had another one in the books. Mm-hmm. That we were like, let's do a, we'll do a post game wrap up for the, uh, yeah. and then I was too devastated. AFC championship game. You were too devastated, and it was just like, yeah, we'll we'll do it another time. I, I, and I, 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 just, I re- yeah, I, I probably it probably would have been uh, an interesting piece of like a time capsule piece uh, to talk right after that game, but God, I was just in an awful mood. I was in a really terrible mood, and I probably would have said some things about the Kansas City Chiefs and their fans that I do- I don't mean. <laughs> and that I regret and that I would have come to regret, but they are, they are the new Patriots fans. Chiefs fans are officially the new Patriots fans. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot compliment another player in the NFL unless you first compliment a Kansas city chief in their presence. You cannot suggest that anyone on the Kansas city chiefs is fallible in any way, or even had a bad game, despite them getting absolutely demolished in a Super Bowl in a way we haven't seen in a long time, but that wasn't their fault. That was, that was, that was uh, uh, symptoms of, of many other incidents. And, and they're quickly becoming a fan base with which I have no time for. They're all bad people. Probably if you go into the history <laughs> of most Chiefs fans, they have lots of debt. They have uh, like petty larceny and other misdemeanor crimes, but like of stealing from old people, grifting <laughs> old people. And I would assume most of them are racist and homophobic, but that's just, <laughs> again, if I had done it right after the things I would have said would have been worse. So I'm glad that we didn't, I'm glad that I've had the time now to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, you say that now with all with uh complete composure. So that's yes. it's good that we did you didn't say anything that you, you'd want to pull back before. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> now now I feel like at least I was able to get that out eloquently and I won't face any backlash <laughs> from the Chiefs fans in my life. See Ashlyn, this is Ashlyn. All of a sudden yes, I've got an accent. Ashlyn yes, Ash, well, Tom, Tommy's got like a nice Buffalonian accent in there, and I feel like sometimes it it almost rubs rubs t- off uh, slightly. I tend to draw that out in people. I tend Do to you? Bring, bring out their accents. Bit of a whisper. Wait, Tommy, were you Buffalo like born and raised? I was actually Rochester born and raised, just a little Whoa. bit slightly to the east. But the accent is pure gold either way, baby. Slightly Chicago, <laughs> slightly Canada, all unlovable. 
I, <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love a nice, uh, I, I think of it as a, as a honking duck. Like I described myself, uh, but uh, it's pretty, and Ashlyn, this is, I, I'm always trying to get you to come out to, well, when we used to be able to go to the bars, mm. uh, to watch the games, because what you really miss, and, and I understand why you didn't, first of all, you had other things to do, I guess. Uh, but also you would be like, well, I just, I don't know if I have the stomach to keep, you know, I look watching football. If you're not a hundred percent invested in it yeah. is it's just anxiety. The show. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, well, okay, you guys are just yelling at the TV right. and feeling bad for most of the game. And then even if they win, you're like kind of happy and you guys you guys do the song. Hey, right. hey we do the song hey, and that's hey. happy. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just a lot of like your stomach is dropping. But what you're missing out on is Tommy dropping gems uh, like that throughout the game uh, <laughs> of, of just of well, just I- like the most emotional sort of like reaction in the it just it's. Yeah, you're definitely like one of my highlights of of, uh, of our Bills group. And, and back at you, I got to say, since we started watching games, that my my Sundays in Los Angeles have been infinitely happier. Like prior to that, my Sundays were usually spent alone watching, like or maybe 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 going hanging out with another friend who did not root for the Bills, and like maybe going to a bar where I would like glance at the Bills uh, out of the like corner of my eye and watch them, yeah. and then just be in constant text messaging with my family who are, you know, as miserable as I am. And, but over text, it's not as fun when you can commiserate in person. There's something, there's something, you know, fraternal about it, or at least, you know, familial when you're doing it over the phone, it's like, you know, uh, complaining to a robot almost. So it's, uh, it's not as, uh, not as intimate, not as fun. And uh, so, yes, so you've given me a great gift in your friendship and in your sports viewership. And I, I genuinely appreciate that. I appreciate it too because uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Of like, you like to commiserate, like you you don't shy away from the pain of it. I think um, there's in in my family anyway. Like my my brother doesn't like to. He gets really upset when I when you start to talk about how the bills suck. Mm-hmm. And I, I like and it's but sometimes it's just a fact. Sometimes yeah. it's just the fact of the matter is that they're sure. they suck. They're real yeah. and it's and I mean I'm still gonna watch. I'm still gonna be invested i have no choice it's like it's it's just part of your blood or your dna yeah. uh like being born into an alcoholic family or something like you just, you just and, and so, as so many of us bills fans are just welcome right exactly a raging alcoholic yeah. family so it's uh yeah it's you know. part and parcel of it yeah absolutely. anyway but you uh, speaking of buffalo though you spent uh most of the last year with family in in Rochester or maybe in Buffalo. I did. Well, a little bit in Buffalo, a little, mostly in Rochester, some slightly in central New York, uh, just a real, uh, taste of, of New York. I say, uh, yeah, (laughs) very strange circumstances led me to spend a year there. I was headed to, I was headed to Tampa, uh, Florida to teach improv, which is, uh, sad. And I, uh, how did, how did that, Hold on, hold hold wait, hold up. How did were, how does this wait. Yeah, wait, you get we can't just blow past that one. That's that's interesting. You were hired to teach improv? I know. Unbelievable. Outside of Los Angeles, that's unheard of. But I uh in Tampa. I, in Tampa. So what they do is once a year, I don't know if you guys are from Florida, so I, I I'm not trying to Florida explain you, but they have a thing <laughs> called the Florida Thespians Festival, where all of the high school kids that are in the drama club or any of the theater or performance clubs at their school 
meet up in Tampa, Florida, and they do their shows for each other during their spring break. So it's oh, like, wow. you know, it's like a whole high school. It's like you know, thousands and thousands of high schoolers that are all, you know, burgeoning actors, directors. They want to you know build the sets, whatever, any phase of of on 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 stage production. So they bring in other people who have been doing, you know, improv for way too long into their adult life. They could teach it. And that was someone that I am. So they fly us in to teach the kids for like four days. It's really fun. It's like a, definitely an exercise in patience because they're like 16 year old kids. So they want to say the F word and talk about sex and all that stuff in their improv scenes. And then me as a 37 year old man gets very awkward and is like, okay, I, I, I also know those cool words that you are using, but I'm not going <laughs> to laugh at them and, what, and like, and I'm not going to encourage it. And what makes it even an extra layer of uncomfortableness is they have adult chaperones there. So then their parents are also in there and the parents are looking at me as if I am a, professional educator and can get control of like a horny 17 year old <laughs> boy who's like declared himself the, the f monster on stage and i'm like great character first of all very specific <laughs> we know what we know your want we know your want and that is if wow. i were teaching an adult i would say very clear maybe stay away from labeling yourself the f monster because it's problematic but that would be it <laughs> Anyway, I was on my way to for for four days of that, and then I got off my. I decided to divert myself to Rochester, New York, because my uncle was going to be the Grand Marshal in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Syracuse, New York. So I was like, well, oh, I'll, "I'll go home March 9th. And every detail in this story so far is really begging like twenty follow up questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, anything, anything. If it stopped me at any point. Uh, but, <laughs> okay, uh, fine. Then. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Your uncle is the Grand Marshal in uh, in the St. Patty's Day Parade. Wait, so, my does... uncle, so my uncle, Sean Kirst, is a brilliant, brilliant writer. He used to be a sports writer uh, and got to cover- His name is Sean Kirst, or you're saying Sean, comma, he's cursed? No, Sean Kirst. Yes, his name okay. is Sean Kirst. Yes, he's not cursed. Okay. K-I-R-S-T, Sean Kirst. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, gotcha. But, um, and you know what's funny? I never thought about that before. <laughs> I, I thought you were just like as in like I thought it was like a character description of like my cousin or my uh, my uncle Sean cursed uh, Sean Sean fifty eight <laughs> Caucasian cursed uh, uh, he uh, he he's a brilliant sports writer and and, and then he has uh, in turn uh, pivoted away from sports as he has you know four or three children who are now adults but once they got to you know an age where they you know needed their dad he stopped doing sports writing because it required him to travel all over. So very unselfishly, he stopped being a sports writer and became uh, a human interest columnist for the Syracuse Post Standard and the Buffalo News. So he's he's kind of like, you know, regionally famous for that. Like he's a well, you know, he, gets, he has like a, a front page column once a week and, you know, other stuff. I mean, he does a great job. He's an incredible writer. Uh, so anyway, that's why he was chosen to be the Grand Marshal in the doomed – 20 uh 2020 St. Patrick's Day parade. So I was headed off to, you know, cheers him and uh and uh maybe get some free candy as I they, you know, in parades they sometimes toss smarties to the children. I don't know if that's all over the world or just what they do to chubby kids, but I I was you know hoping to get uh some sort of free candy. And uh and then I got off the plane and my phone exploded with alerts that were like, "Do not go to Tampa. Tampa is f- canceled." Florida is canceled. Do not go. If you go, you'll die. Like that was I, that one I made up. I, I editorialized that one myself. <laughs> so I didn't go. And then I was home 
And I live, I am from a family. I was raised by very strong women and they told me I was not allowed to go back to LA and I listened. So I, uh, I, well, things were really dicey. I stayed home. And then uh, when things got a little better, I came back to LA. When they got dicey again, I went back home. And then uh, that was that. So fast forward one year, I'm back in LA, baby. I'm unstoppable. Uh, <laughs> the bookings are going to come. I can feel it. Someone's going to read my screenplay. This is my year. Nothing can stop me now. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Okay. Wow. wow. What a journey. Also, I don't think I usually start the podcast laughing this much. So thank you. Uh, my pleasure. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I was, you know, I'm, I'm the other, another, another way I've fucked over Tommy is I've had this script with him in, in mind uh, as a lead for like years and then I've just been unable to like properly finish a draft, I think. And, and now I'm entering into like this thing of like, I'm going to do the next two days on like a 48 hour script jam. So now I'm, I'm feeling inspired to, to pick that one back up and actually maybe finally finish it off once and for all, because yeah, I, I love it. I think gotta, that, yeah. voice. that, that I think uh, something like that though, Grant, and I mean this sincerely, I know it's impossible to uh, read my tone because you can't see my face. Those are the type of things that they happen when they happen. You know what I mean? Like that script doesn't didn't demand to be made in 2017. Like that is something that when when you nail it and when you're happy with the draft, it'll be the right time. So I I wouldn't put that unnecessary pressure. I certainly haven't thought of it as like, well, that was when Grant promised me the moon and didn't deliver. I was flattered from the get go that you thought of me, and I will continue to be flattered and happy to uh, work on it in any uh, iteration and any any capacity that you that you allow me to. So please. All right. In that in that case, your your genuineness and generosity is off putting to me. So never mind. You're out. You're, you're- <laughs> Wow. I can only work out of a sense of, of horrible guilt. So oh now that God, that's we, taken we from me, I can't be writing partners. If that's the case, we should, we should. Just, yeah. Just let's constantly think we're mad at each other. We'll, we'll crank out five scripts a year. Oh God. That's the dream. That is my dream writing dynamic. That really is. You got to be able to solve that bridge with, uh, with being like, I, I wrote pages and I'm trying to impress you. Is this okay? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Ashlyn, I because I work with Ashlyn sometimes on on writing projects, and Ashlyn's too forgiving. Yeah. Ashlyn's just like, yeah, yeah these are good. These are good. I'm like, ugh, God, <laughs> fuck you too, then. Fuck you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh shit. Oh man. Yeah, you know, I I'm a more yeah, I'm more like yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Ashlyn, you were an improv kid in school. We didn't have improv in high school, but up in Canada, where you're from, you 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 were an improver uh, from a young age, right? Yeah, well, they have um, in Canada they have competitive improv teams. They have something called the Canadian Improv Games, and it's all across the country. Um, And yeah, we were second in the city of Vancouver, which is impressive because we were a small school. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole. It's like a whole subculture there. That, that's um, amazing. So, and in Vancouver, that's a really artistic city. That's a, you got a lot of heavy hitters in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that Vancouver's like improv and comedy scene was not that good growing up, and I think it's a bit better now. Mm. Um, they like when I was growing up, they really only had like one improv show you could go to. No kidding. It no. was like regular, um, and they were all like board members of the Canadian improv games. Ah. So it was like an MLM 
<laughs> yes. join our <laughs> join our multi-level yeah. marketing scheme. Yes. But, yeah, first okay. I, at first I thought you meant bored, like they were board members, like they were just really bored with the improv. So <laughs> no, like it was like literally, literally an organization. Like it's like a nonprofit. Yeah. Thing, and Is you can go Scientology? to like, you can go to summer camp, improv summer camp. Oh my god. Um, off i i never went because it was too expensive to go sure. you had to like fly to toronto to go but mm. you know the cute hunky boys at our school would go to like the improv summer camp mm. um yeah it was like a big thing so man uh, oh man I, th- I feel like i missed i missed the mark being born 70 miles south of the canadian border if i could have just uh if I could have just been born in Canada, maybe all of my high school problems would have been answered by by improv. <laughs> I know, right? We didn't have anything like that where I went to school either. We, that's we, really – Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just have a question for Ashlyn. So, like, what type of competitive improv was it? Were you doing, like, short-form games or, like – Yeah, so there was sh- short-form categories, um, and you had to perform um, – you would literally perform against each other and the judges would rate you on a scale, like a number scale, um, which would be like how, you know, how well do you say yes to each other? Like how well are you tracking the story? If it's a character game, are you showing, um, are you showing the character like development? If it's a story game, are you creating a problem, uh, solving it, you know, like trying different things, solving it in a fun way. And they were timed, like it was all very specific. Oh my gosh, um, this is, this is all, yeah. I mean, there was this is like my dream when I was, you know, a young improviser. I would have dreamed to, to, for a competitive element to this, rather than just yeah, like this. And, yeah. Yep, sorry. Per, I was gonna say personally, I think like what I have, what I remember learning a lot from it is like when I went to go see improv later, I found myself being. It depends. Like if it's good improv, it's really like exciting. Mm-hmm. But when you're just watching the same people do stuff over the course of like half an hour, yep. Yep. Um, there's not enough like rules in place. Like you're not really understanding how amazing it really is, you know? Yep. Um, I, I, I whereas like saying. with, yeah, like it's, Whereas when you see two teams back to back, you can almost be like, oh, that one was better for this reason. That one was better for this reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually looking to see what the like, they, they have an official rule book. Mm. Um, it was like a whole big thing. Um, and, you know, you had like coaches that would come and like train you. It's a big deal. Oh, I, I think I'm going to get Tommy, like, when a did track- you? And go to Canada and market myself as an improv coach. You could. You could and should, Tommy. I, I'm. I don't really know your. Um, I, all right. So normally I don't do this sort of thing, but I. But we don't know. We've we've never had like this uh, such a. We've never just sat down and had a conversation, not part of a group setting. So I don't really know your your story of how you came to LA when you figured out that that was going to be something that you wanted to pursue and. Uh, uh, yeah. What? Yeah. So, what's what's your story? So, I was um, in school to be a teacher. I wanted to be hey, either a. Is that too. what you did? Yes. I I had. I, that's know, what I got my undergrad in. Well, good for you for finishing, Grant. I I did not. <laughs> I, 
I started out, uh, I had always worked um, since I was like 13 years old. I had volunteered and worked with kids with special needs. So I had thought about being either uh, uh, like an adaptive uh, PE teacher or a uh, special edu- special education teacher or my other thing I was interested in was possibly being a history teacher. Anyway, I was miserable with all of that in school because I, you know, I love working with kids. I love people, but like just going into class and the idea of being a teacher kind of was weighing on me. So I saw an ad on Craigslist for a movie that was going to be starting in Rochester and they said, if you're interested in working on this movie in any capacity, fill out this uh, form and we'll contact you. So I filled it out, went back to school, continued to be miserable. And like four months later, I got an email that was like, can you come to a meeting for pot- to potentially be a PA on this movie? So I went to the, mo- I went to the meeting, uh, met with the producer and director, and like through a series of like happy accidents, I worked my way all the way up to production manager on that movie over the course of like a year. So I got kind of like a film school on set while we were making this movie called Sophomore, which I think you can watch on Amazon or, or IMDb or one of those uh, places that has movies now. And that kind of gave me the bug. And I started working in local production, doing like commercials as like a PA and in the art department, doing construction and stuff like skills that I had had growing up, building stuff and things like that that I could apply to, like, we built, uh, like, you know, we would install, we would, like, install, like, fake stores into, like, office spaces, because Rochester doesn't have any, like, sound stages. Anyway, all of this to say, I was splitting my time in school and these productions, so I would do, like, a semester of college, and I would take a semester off and work on these productions, and I was making good money. My parents were like, look, you clearly want to do this, you're keeping one foot in both pools, why don't you just try to work in production, for like a year or two and see if that's something that you don't need to keep going to school for. So they kind of gave me that gift. Most people like make that decision. My parents kind of put that pathway in front of me and then, or I should say parents uh, in this case, my mom, but uh, my dad was supportive as well, but it was her, her kind of her guidance. And they, they just kind of let me do my thing. And then I took that as uh, the invitation to move to LA. So I, which was not what they meant. They meant like, you know, keep working at Rochester production. But I had a friend that I had done uh, kind of like a sketch show. It was like my first foray, first, first foray into comedy. I, I joined this like sketch troupe in Rochester and we put on one show and then disbanded. But I met this girl who lived in Burbank, California, but was from Rochester and came back to do the show. And she was going to Spain for a month. So she said, you can house sit my cats in my house and live rent free in Burbank for a month and get your feet, you know, get on your feet. So I did that. So I got in my car, Chevy Cavalier, 97 Chevy Cavalier, drove it across the country, terrifying because it's not a good car. And uh, when I got to Burbank, the water pump in my car exploded in the driveway as I pulled in. And so I just barely made it. And, you know, I was off and running. I was really motivated. I was... uh, uh, a kind of a go-getter as a, as a young adult. And I went to central casting. I went around, I followed every lead that I had gotten. I didn't know anyone really, you know, not to make this some sort of like, you know, Oliver twist story, but I, I didn't have anyone here. I had no family in the industry, no contacts. So I kind of just had to like dive in head first and, you know, I just got lucky, got some lucky breaks and here I am. So. That's amazing. And our stories are, are, are pretty parallel, uh, yeah. which is, maybe explains why I'm so drawn to you as well. We, uh, I, and, and where they diverge also is like, like I, I, I figured out, 
I figured out after about a year or so of studying uh, to be a teacher that this probably was not going to be the long-term right fit. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly, but I knew it was something in entertainment. I knew it was something comedy because I was having way more fun. And I was just talking about this in therapy, not to brag, uh, of, <laughs> <laughs> of like, I was like, I, I really don't remember at almost any of my education classes. Like I, I remember being in the classroom and I remember what I liked and didn't like about it. I liked working with the students. I really disliked the culture of the schools. I totally forgot that most of the reason that male teachers get involved with it is because they want to be coaches, which I didn't really have any uh, real interest in. Um, but I, I remember having, I remember somewhere around my third year of college being like, you know, I think people can just drop out and just like try to figure it out as at, like, I even thought I was like, I could just drop out, move to New York and like do UCB because I was getting into improv in, in college. Yeah. Uh, maybe would have, I don't know if that would have been the right or wrong decision, mm. but it would have at least, well, I don't know. But, and similar to you, like when I moved out here, knew nobody, didn't have any connections. I had done one internship uh, I came out here during the summer of 2007, a year before I graduated and uh, mm -hmm. interned at the Weinstein Company, also Ooh. not to brag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, and yes, uh, a credit that only gets better with age. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so I mean, I, then I finished school, taught for a little uh, enough time to be able to like make enough money to move out here because I didn't have... I didn't have any money. My parents didn't have enough money to like finance anything either. Right, um, right, right. It was, it was all, and then, it, and then it was quite a bit of, and then it was just like panicking, trying to find jobs and trying to like, cause I only moved out with enough savings to like last six months. And then, but similar to you of like, just got, I did central casting. I, I was doing unpaid PA work. I was just hustling, taking any lead that I could to just find money until I found a full-time job. And then once I had some stability, I started doing stand up, and then, stand-up led to other things and here we are yes yes i i wonder that too you know i thought about like going to chicago or going to new york and getting into improv like when i was really young and i honestly think that if i had started to do like the cutthroat ucbs and second city and ios at like 20 i would not have been able to handle it like kind of jumping into yeah. the pool that was competitive as i started when i was like 24 I kind of at that point was already like fairly self-assured that I was funny, you know, and I didn't need really like, it didn't matter to me if like every class was perfect. I mean, I was very competitive about like, you know, getting on a team or, you know, getting in, getting on good shows at the theaters. But like, I didn't, I, it didn't, it, it wasn't like a, a thing where if I had a bad scene in class or like, you know, one of my teachers, you know, gave me a tough note. I wasn't like destroyed by it the way I might have been at 20, you know, even just those four years were to me, gave me a length of time to kind of be a little bit like, you know, older in the class, I guess. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that, but yeah, I love that. I love, I, I love hearing when, People just kind of uh, just go for it, just you know, and then yeah. make it work. Because um, I don't know, and then and then you come out here and you realize how many people are sort of almost born into it or have like all these sure. thousands of advantages. Uh, so yeah. it's always just nice to I don't know I don't know where I'm going. Nice to meet a fellow road like, dog, Grant. Not fellow. Yeah, that's Grant, right. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. Well. 
I'm blanking oh. on the next topic because I, I, I don't do any planning with this podcast. I don't uh, plan any questions out ahead of time. And I don't edit it either. Uh, and usually it's just kind of nice and boring. You're improving. Um, this is good. Yeah, we're you. Yes, and. Yes, and. My version of improv is yes. Ashlyn, what questions do you have? What what? Let's toss it to Ashlyn. Well, I mean, I this is our first time meeting, so I, I uh, am curious to know. Uh, about, do you have any pets? Where do you like LA coming from the East Coast? You know, I am not a LA slanderer. You know, I don't stand for yeah. LA slander. I don't love nice. when people blame uh, problems. You know, everybody's got problems, and I'm not unsympathetic to that, of course, and I want to help people and make them feel better. But if your problems are all based on things that are because of Los Angeles as a, like, entity, I think that there's a deeper uh, issue at, at play. Mm-hmm. I personally love living here. I I mean, I, yeah. I have such a melting pot of friends, not to use a gross, you know, outdated phrase, but like, I have such a, and not, I'm not even talking about it, like ethnicity or, or anything like that. I have just such a variety of friends that are interested in different things and are come from mm-hmm. different places and different socioeconomic backgrounds and have different life experiences and are different ages. I mean, I think they're like big cities are kind of like the only place where you can have a friend who's 21 and a friend who's 71, you know? And it's like nobody yeah. bats an eyelash at it. And it's not like some cutesy human interest story where you, you know, you take, <laughs> take the 71 year old out for a walk in the park once a day and they put you in the paper. Not that 71 is old, <laughs> dad. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but like, I, yeah. So I guess my rambling answer is I love living in LA. I currently, uh, do not have a pet myself, but we have a pet in our house. My roommate Garrett uh, has a dog named Darius, who I love very much, who he rescued earlier this year. He's an American bulldog, I think, and he is—he sleeps with his tongue out of his mouth. He's a very good boy, oh. and he <laughs> snores like a human. Snores human snores, which is unsettling and also adorable. And uh, he's great. I love him. Growing up, I always had dogs. I had uh, two dogs specifically. A dog named Shammy, like the cloth, who was a white lab, or I guess a yellow lab. Uh, Shammy like ShamWow? Like Shammy cloth, which I believe ShamWow developed from. I believe ShamWow was a take on the Shammy cloth. Shammy was uh, an amazing dog who I loved very much, and she was very gentle. She never barked. She never snapped at humans or growled, and uh, she frequently because we grew, I grew up on a what the first uh, like seven years of my life I grew up on a big open plot of land with lots of uh, empty land around it, and she would bring us uh, animals like she would hunt down rabbits and birds and bring them and leave them on the doorstep. But she was so sweet about it that this what like it was disturbing. But one time. She actually brought us a rabbit on Easter, which was uh, <laughs> like off the mark, but she tried. Like it was not the right thing, <laughs> but the effort was there and, and adorable. So, and then Shammy uh, went to dog heaven, I hope. I don't believe anything would have caused her to go to dog hell. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what she was up to behind, you know, when the lights went out, she might have been doing crazy shit. But, uh, and then we got Buddy. Uh, who is definitely damned, uh, was definitely a damned soul from birth, but we loved him too. He was a, uh, he was a, a, a mixture. I don't, I don't know if mutt is okay to say, but I would, uh, see, he was what they would call a, 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 
a mixture. He was a mixed breed uh, of unknown origins, and he was just a bastard. Like, but he loved our family, and that was cool. And he came into our lives when we really needed a dog to make us feel safe. There was a lot of changes going on in my family and a lot of upheaval. And he came into our lives and made everybody feel protected and safe. But he was a belligerent bastard to everyone else. So he made having company over very difficult. The other neighborhood kids were scared of him. So throughout his lifespan, it was like 10 and a half years of constant apologizing on his behalf. Not unlike, you know, I have... People, I mean, I'm sure, like, my little brother feels that way about me. So, like, you know, he said to apologize for me for all 32 years of his life. So I get it. And I don't blame Buddy. And I loved him. But uh, so those are my two dogs. Yeah. That, so I'm a dog person. But I'm not anti-cat. Wow. I'm not anti-cat, Ashlyn. I'll have you know. I'm not, I'm not anti-LA and I'm not anti-cat. But I am very pro-dog. Yeah, we do have a lot. I think sometimes people think we don't like dogs because we have so many cats. Right. But we also like dogs. It's just that we have a lot of cats, so it's hard to find the right dog fit for this sure. cat. We haven't even started. We haven't even tried, but we're we're going to. I, Grant Papa wants a dog. I want to. I want to be walking out with somebody. I want to go on hikes with somebody. Yeah, get get a, get a best friend, a man's best friend, a human's best friend. But also, yeah. don't let people dull your sparkle with this. You don't like dogs because you have too many cats. Tell them you have a big heart and you just haven't found the right spot in your heart for a pup yet. And it's none of their damn business. Go get a vitamin water and take a walk around the reservoir and chill out. <laughs> wow. I love it. Uh, I love it too. I, yes. And I feel the same way about Los Angeles. I, I like how you summed it up too. I like it's, you can, you can, where, I don't know. I mean, I guess New York City or, but maybe, may, but that's it. I mean, in, in New York City, obviously you don't have the, the perks of the beach and the constant uh, right. nice weather and stuff. So. Right. Ele- Ele- we were talking about this. And the police helicopters. Hello, <laughs> those don't exist in New York. That's LA only, baby. Cue the Randy Newman yeah. song. I love LA. We love it. Oh shit. Yeah, anyway. Oh man. Anyway. Uh, well, this podcast flew by. Uh, I this is this is pro- this is this one will go into the record books is maybe the one where I've laughed the most. So thank you for that. Yeah, you. That's and I've been I've mentioned up a storm. I mentioned when I was trying to book you the first couple times that um, ideally with this podcast, want to have it to be sort of a a smallish circle of guests. So definitely want you to come back and keep hanging out uh, with us and uh, just keep shooting the breeze. But uh, it was I, nice to I would be delighted be able to do sort of a deeper dive. I would be I would be honored to come back, and I I got to be honest. I've got more questions about the Canadian improv scene and the competitiveness. And I honestly feel like if we have time on another episode, there's got to be some great, you know, stories of, of battle in, in the improv world there. I just, yeah. I feel yeah. like we could do, I could do 45 minutes of you telling me about like conflicts and, and romances and things that came out of it. I don't know if that'd be well, interesting. We'll, we'll tease you with this, that I spent my entire time on the improv team uh, pining after the uh, when he was captain, a boy who we all called Dickard. Oh, yes. His, his name, name was his name was Richard. Yes, but we just mm. called him Dickard. Dickard. That's, that's the kind. That's the kind of cleverness that uh, you guys were dealing with up north with your corner gas sitcoms and your government grants for TV shows. That's the that's the kind of level of improv competitiveness that I, we could expect. I God, I. I'm, 
I, you got to have me back soon because I got more questions than answers here. <laughs> I also yeah, well, have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of there's a we'll, we'll leave it on the cliffhanger, I suppose. Uh, this was easy. <laughs> this, was, this was fun and easy. Um, uh, Tommy, let me see. I have uh, two two final questions for you. One, do you feel better or worse for finally having uh, done the pod and being able to hang out for uh, you know about an hour? Grant. 45 minutes with you is always going to make me feel better. So yes, I feel much better. And the last question is, uh, how do you feel about releasing this out there without any editing uh, whatsoever? Do you think you'll, can you stand by it? Grant, uh, if you search my online footprint, there's a lot of me saying things that I have not edited. And this will just go right up there and sit nicely on the bookshelf of unedited, unfettered 45 minutes of freedom, baby. Because we're bringing it back. We're, the freedom ain't a bad word anymore, guys. It's 2021 and let freedom ring. <laughs> oh, shit. This was fun. This was a fun one. Thanks for being here, Tommy. Tommy Beck told, ladies and gentlemen. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, this podcast is produced by the eight cats, Prince, Milo, Moose, Zeus, Peanut Butter, Squeaky Mama, Nala, and Shadow. Did I get, I hit everyone. That's eight, isn't it? Yeah. Milo and Moose print. Yeah. We got them all. Anyway, that's the pod. Thanks for listening. Uh, please subscribe and rate us five stars on iTunes. And, uh, you know, we got more episodes coming soon. Tommy will be back. Uh, follow Tommy on social media. Links are in the description of this episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.